Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing today? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining us. Can you guys help me welcome everybody that's watching online and everybody that's at our Lighthouse Point location? Man, we're so glad you guys are joining with us today. We're in for a great day. We're beginning a brand new series today called Faith in the Fire. And, and I'm excited about this series. This, is a, this series was really birthed out of a, this last little bit that has gone on in life. I don't know about you guys, but over the last couple of years, I feel like I've gone through one test after another test after another test. Anybody felt like they've been through some tests over the last little bit in life? A couple of you guys. Okay, the rest of you guys must not be breathing because it's been like test after test after test out there. And, and, and it felt like my, my spouse was testing me. My patience was getting tested. I-95 was testing me. Come on, somebody. That'll test you every single time. And, and as I was in that season over the last couple of years, I was reading through my one-year Bible, which I encourage all of you guys to do. And I came across a story in the book of Daniel, and uh, it, it's about some guys that they just went through test after test after test to the point where you'll see at the end of the story, they're literally tested by fire. And so I thought it'd be an interesting study for us to have over the next couple of weeks of how do we survive when we're tested in life and, and how do we go through the trials and yet still hold firm to the faith that God has for us. And so let me give you a little bit of a backstory of what is kind of going on. So God has these people called the Israelites. They're his chosen people. And, and he wants great things for them. And they end up in a situation where they're actually enslaved in Egypt. He delivers them. We've all seen the, the cartoons or the Charlton Heston movie where they get delivered out of Egypt. They go through the Red Sea. They eventually get to a place called the Promised Land that's flowing with milk and honey. And what God does is he blesses these people. As long as they're obedient to God, as long as they're continuing to follow his will and his way, like God is just has his hand of favor upon them. But like ourselves, they have a tendency to all of a sudden become disobedient to God. And every time they become disobedient to God, uh, you know, just they go through obstacles, they go through trials in life. And, and so God is like, man, turn back to me. And, and so they turn back to him and he'll always come. And he jumps right back in and he re uh, reveals himself and he delivers them out of those situations. But they constantly, in their disobedience, what they do is they start worshiping other gods, what we would say are idols in their life. And, and the best way that I can explain this is, is through a meme. And so this is kind of like what it is. Here's the children of Israel. Here's the God who delivered them out of slavery. And there's idols that are there. And they're constantly, instead of keeping their focus on what they've got and how amazing it is, they keep turning back to other things. And so they're at this point in time where they, they've, they've turned to other things and, and God just says, you know what, I'm going to let you go your way. You can do whatever you want to do. And it's during this time that there is a, an empire that is ruling the earth at that time. It's called the Babylonian Empire. And there's a king named Nebuchadnezzar, important guy in the story. And he eventually goes into Jerusalem, which is the capital of, of the promised land for the Israelites. And he takes over Jerusalem. And as he's doing that, he's a super smart leader. He goes, you know, I want to learn from the best of the best of these people. And so what he does is he looks for the smartest and the brightest. And he goes, hey, I'm going to bring them back to Babylon 
so we can learn their best practices. We can learn all about them so that we can ingrain the good things out of their culture into our culture so we can be the most dominant empire that's out there. And so we're going to pick up the story in Daniel chapter 1 as he's selecting the people that he wants to bring back to Babylon. This is what it says. It says, select only the strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. He said, make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. So basically, what they did is they gave the description of what every girl wants on Christian Mingle today in a man. It's like, hey, give me the handsome, the good-looking. They're smart. They're diligent. Like, they, they, they'll stick to me. Like, they, he basically lays it out. And so if you don't embody those characteristics, man, change. Okay, there we go. Verse 6, it says, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, which, which he does not adopt that name. He's like the only one that's like, no, nah, I'm not going to be called that. He continued to call Daniel throughout the story. It says, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. So we have our three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are taken from their home in Jerusalem a thousand miles away to Babylon and where they are, uh, they are enslaved. Like they are captive to the king of Babylon and in the middle of their captivity, he goes, hey, I'm going to choose these four guys. And he actually brings them into the palace to learn and to grow and to be developed by them. So in essence, they're slaves, but they get delivered from their circumstances. This is important because this is not the kind of salvation that we talk about here, but it's a different kind of, they get saved from their circumstances. And as soon as they get saved out of their circumstances, they walk directly into a season of testing. And let me just help some of you today because you got saved from your sin. And just because you got saved from your sin does not mean that you're going to get saved from the testing that this world is going to offer you over and over and over again. Some people think that the moment they give their life to Christ that everything should be rainbows and butterflies. Like it should be perfect out there. And that's just not the reality of this world. The reality is, is that we might have that salvation, but it's going to be a real test for all of us. And if somebody told you it was going to be rainbows and butterflies, they were a salesman and not a preacher. And I'm here to tell you the truth today. And so I want to I help you because we all experience tests in life. And immediately these four guys experience a test on their first day. It says this in verse 5. It says, the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchen. So these guys, they journey. They walk into the king's palace. And like right away, they're met with a table that looks something like this. Probably a lot better than this. And, and they see all this food and all this wine and all of these good things. And they're, you know, they've been enslaved. So they probably haven't been fed really well. They see this and they're like, oh yeah, let's get at it. They grab their fork and their knife. They're like, give me some filet mignon. Give me some lobster. Like bring it on. And, and so they're getting served this food and they have this realization in the moment. 
And Bible scholars say it like this. One of two things happened is they, is they realized that they could not eat this food. One of the reasons it could have been because they realized that the food was, uh, was against the Old Testament uh, traditions and, and standards. And so maybe there was some pork that was being served. Maybe it was like a filet mignon covered in bacon. Come on, somebody. And they're like, oh, man, it's got bacon on it. I can't eat that because that, that would go against Jewish custom. Or number two, it was food that had been offered to idols. And so if they were to actually partake of the food that was offered to idols, in other words, they'd be saying, hey, we, we actually believe in these false gods. And what the king was doing is he was actually taking them and testing their belief in God. He says, I'm going to bring them to this table of testing. And this is what I would like to call today the character test. Like, think about this. They're a thousand miles from home. Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to see. Nobody's going to ever even uh, hear that they ate this food. And in this moment, what's happening is their character is being tested in this moment. And we've all had those moments in life where, where the opportunity is put in front of us or that, that business deal that's put in front of us and we know this, oh man, it's just, there's a little bit of shadiness there, but man, the opportunity is so big and they know what they should do. They know how they've been raised. They know what the Bible says to do, but they're in that moment. The question is, is do, they, do they do what they know they should do or do they compromise? And here's what I know, the table of testing looks different for every single one of us in life. Maybe the table of testing for you is how you treat people who can actually do nothing for you. Like the table of testing might be, how do you talk about the person that did you dirty or talk bad about you? Do you go talk to them or do you go around and talk about them? Maybe the table of testing for you is when you're driving on I-95 on early morning, Monday morning, and somebody cuts you off in that moment, and you have a few choice words for them. Or maybe you wave at them with a singular finger. Come on, somebody. Because here's what I know is if, if we put up those few choice words up on the screen that all of us have said at some point, none of us would be really pleased with what that says. Or maybe the table of testing for you is that device that's in your hand right now. And it's a temptation to go to that website that you know you shouldn't go to or to text that person that you know you shouldn't be texting. And we're all battling this idea of our character. And it's where our character is tested. It happens in our finances. It happened this past Monday when we filed our taxes. Come on. It's real. Nobody wants to give the government any more money than they need. They don't need any more of my money. They don't need any more of your money, right? It happens every time somebody mistreats you. It tests your character. And here's what character is. Write it down. Character is who you are when no one's looking. So it's the real you. It's not the Instagram you because we know you took two hours to get that picture just right and the setting just right so you could post it online so everybody could see the perfect you. No, no, I'm talking about the real you. I'm not talking about the Sunday morning you, which I love the Sunday morning. The Sunday morning you is so kind and so, hey, how are you doing? Oh, Pastor, man, I'm blessed and highly favored. No, 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 I want to know the Friday night you when you were out there doing the stanky leg at the club. 
That's the real you that like I'm trying to get to here today. Like just peel it on back because who is the person that when the testing comes? Like do you realize and recognize who you are? And here's what you need to understand. Your character, it actually matters. And your character matters so much and I have to preach this so much because I'm so tired of seeing people that have unbelievable potential, unbelievable purpose, flush it down the toilet because they never realized that their character mattered. And I'm at this place in life where, where I don't really care what you think about me. I care so much about you that I've got to tell you the truth. Because your character matters. And some of you, you've been at the table of testing and you failed. Some of you are at the table of testing and you're about to fail. Here is why character matters. Because talent will take you to the top, but it's your character that will keep you there. Talent will take you there. And we, we watched this. Like, we just saw this at the Oscars. Talent will get you to the top, and a slap in the face will take you to the bottom. We watch this, we watch this in the music industry. We watch this with sports people. We watch this in the business world. Somebody starts at the bottom of a company. They rise really, really fast to where they're vice president, and all of a sudden they're done. Why? Because character matters. Talent will take you to the top, but your character will actually keep you there. There's something about character that is a sustaining force and the, the holding force of our life. And my number one concern in life isn't that I don't have talent to do something great for God. My number one concern is do I have the character to actually sustain the things that God wants to do in my life. And my number one concern for you isn't that you have talent because you guys are talented individuals. It's do you have the character to sustain the things that God actually wants to do in your life and the platform he wants to give you and the change he wants to do through you. Can you sustain it internally? Because what I've watched is there's so many people that are so focused on, I need to get to the top, I need to rise to the top. And you're so focused on the external that you forget to work on the internal that will actually keep you there. And if you'll take care of your character, I believe that God will promote your position. It, it got me thinking, do you guys remember the game Shoots and Ladders? Anybody remember the game Shoots and Ladders? I actually have a Shoots and Ladders board. Maybe this will jog some of your memories. But this was, this was a game that, that I think relates to this a lot, a lot in life. Because in the game Shoots and Ladders, it's just like real life. We all start in the same place. We all start in phase one. Some of us, though, we get ladder opportunities, though, that are a little bit unfair. But the reality is, is that those unfair advantages are just kind of part of life. You know, maybe you were born into the right family. Maybe you inherited the family business. Maybe you married a rich person. Congratulations. <laughs> and what happened is, is you got a ladder in life that elevated you faster to a level that maybe you got to skip some things that other people had to grind through. Just the reality of life. And, and ladders are awesome. I'm not dogging ladders. Like, I actually pray that God would give every single one of you ladders in life. That he would bless you in ways that would elevate you really quickly. But as awesome as it is that there are ladders, there are also these things called shoots. And, like, when you hit a shoot, you're like, oh, shoot. Because you just went from the top to the bottom. 
And so what happens in life for a lot of us is is the ladders are the hard work and the favor and the blessing of God and the shoots are the lack of character. And so what I've realized is there are these moments in life where you're getting elevated in different aspects in different ways. Like God is elevating you. You've been in the right situations. Your character has gone on. But all of a sudden there's a flaw. It's the affair. It's how you manage your finances. It's that sin in your life that nobody knows about that all of a sudden comes out in a moment and what happens is is, as hard as you've worked, all of a sudden you fall from the top to the bottom because your character will always be found out and it will always drop you from the top to the bottom. Let me tell you something, the mountain of influence takes years and years to climb and only seconds to fall from. Your character matters. Here's another reason why your character matters. Because without character, there is no trust. In, in, in every relationship, and most of us have realized this in a relationship, because you get in a relationship with somebody who's unreliable, who, who isn't on time, who they aren't consistent in their life, they, they're a little bit shady, they mess up quite a bit, And what happens? You don't have much trust in that relationship. Why? Because without character, there is no trust. And without trust, there is no relationship. So a lot of you guys, what you want in life is you want healthy relationships. I would say that all of us in here would go, you know what I want? I want healthy relationships. And you realize that the foundation of a healthy relationship is this thing called trust. But the only way you build trust is by developing your character. And so if you lack character, what it means is that you won't have very much trust, which means you'll end up with very, very shallow relationships in life. And everybody says, I want a better relationship. I'll explain it this way. I'll use this picture. This picture has the ability to be full to the top of its rim. It's a lot like our life. We all have a facade that we put on. And we go, man, I want people to see the full me. The problem is, is, is that your relationships are a reflection of this picture, and you can fill it to the top. It'll fill to the top or to the lowest level of cracks in your life. And see, what happens for a lot of us is we want to put on the facade that, that man, we've got it all together. The problem is, is our relationships are very shallow. The reason they're shallow is because there's cracks in your life that you haven't realized yet that are character flaws that are destroying trust with people and are causing you not to have the relational equity that you so desire. So the only way that you can then go about building trust is to go back to the thing that matters most, which is building your character. And if you'll build your character, all of a sudden trust will begin to be built back and you'll restore the relationship. So we got to be a person of character. What does that mean? It means that we have to be the same person that we are out front as we are behind the scenes. What we say and what we do have got to correlate in life. We can't just say one thing and then do something different. That builds a lack of trust. Because if you'll build your character, watch how your trust will elevate and your relationships will be built. Because I'm telling you, character matters. And I've just realized people do not need a motto to say. They need a motto to follow. They don't need a motto to say. They don't need another catchy statement. They don't need to hear, do as I say. Not as I do. That is the stupidest phrase I've ever heard. If you're a parent out there and you use that phrase, stop it. I'm just telling you. 
Like, I'm a preacher, and all I do in my life is I talk. Here's what I've realized. People listen very little to what I say, but they watch continuously what I do. They're watching how I love my wife. They're watching how I treat people when nobody else is watching. They're watching how I manage my finances. They're watching how I love the church, how I serve other people, how I pray, how I read my Bible. In fact, John Maxwell says it like this. He says, 89% of people, what they learn comes through visual stimulation, 10% through audible stimulation, and 1% through other senses. He says, so it makes sense that the more followers see and actually hear their leader being consistent in action and in their words, the greater their consistency and loyalty. He goes on to say, what they hear and what they understand, when, when they see, they believe. So if you want people around you to change, bosses, understand this is super important. Parents, get this, this is super critical to you growing your children. They aren't listening to what you say. They're watching actually what you do. That's why we say all the time. You teach people what you know, but you reproduce who you are. So what does that mean? That means parents, if you want children that love God, that walk in integrity, that tell the truth, that follow his will and his way, you know what they need? They don't need you to tell them to do that. They need to see you doing it. Because they, they are a reproduction of your life. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are sitting at the table, the table of testing, and they're faced with this moment where they're being served. And, and we all have those moments where we're going, oh, man, what do, what do I do? What, what should I have? And we have this internal battle. This is what the Bible says. It says in verse 8, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. He goes, listen, I'm not going to defile myself. I I'm going to come up with a different plan, and this is his plan. Verse 11, Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He said, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. How many of you all know that is not the test that I would have chosen? Like, vegetables and water, heck no. Give me the Brazilian barbecue test. Like, give me, give me picanha after picanha after picanha. You can keep the chicken liver thing, heart thing for you. That, that's, like, that's for real Brazilians. This is for white Brazilians like me. Like, give me that test. But Daniel, he's a little bit holier than I am, so he goes, so he, 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 he goes, Hey, listen, give me a test. And here's why he said, give me a test. He goes, I want you to know I take my character seriously. Like, I want you to know that this is important to me. And here's what I think happened in that moment. I think that there's other people, I know that there's other people from other places that are sitting there that have probably been there longer than Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're going like, who the heck are these guys? They're like walking in here and they're dictating their terms. Like, like, 
Who do these guys, are, are these guys like holy rollers or something? Like, are these the Bible thumper kind of guys? Like, are these a guy, like crazy church people? Like, that's how they would have referred to us today. And I know what that's like, because I remember when I gave my life to Christ at 18 years old and how it changed my life and how I decided in that moment that I wasn't gonna continue to party the way I partied. I wasn't gonna drink the way I used to drink, that I was gonna set myself apart when it came to my relational world and I wasn't gonna mess around with girls anymore. And the things I was listening to was gonna change and the things that I was watching were going to change. And I watched how all of my friends who I thought were my friends started dogging my life. And as they dogged my life, I just made a decision that my character mattered more than what they thought about me. And what God had thought about me mattered more. And I just learned in that season that if I take care of my character, my reputation will take care of itself. And I'm just here to tell some of you guys, some of you guys are way too concerned about what everybody else thinks about you. And I'm sorry to say, you're very, very little concerned for what God thinks about you. And if you and I, if we're going to live a life that honors God, we've got to remove the care of what other people think. Like, I am so not worried about what people on Instagram or Facebook think about me. I'm more interested in what my integrity is telling the world because I think if I have to make a decision, it's my reputation or my character. I'm going to choose my character every time because if I take care of my character, God will take care of my reputation. And listen, those same people that made fun of me at 18 years later, they were calling me when their marriages were going to trash, when their finances were in a mess, when they were having relational trouble. They were calling me, asking me, what's up? Why? Because character stands the test of time. And if you'll take care of your character, God will take care of your reputation. This is what happens with our guy Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 15. It says, at the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. And I'm like, what? From eating vegetables? Like being a vegetarian? I tried being a vegetarian. I was not better off. I, was, I hated life. I hated you. I hated me. I was hangry. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm hungry and angry at the same time. But I look at the story, I truly believe they weren't strong because they ate vegetables. They were stronger because they chose character. You build your character and watch God begin to build your strength. You walk around in shame because you lack character, or you walk around in strength because you live with character. You decide inside, I'm going to do the right thing. When nobody's looking and when everybody is looking. I'm going to be the same person when I'm out front and when I'm behind the scenes. And I'm just telling you, it will build strength in your life. And watch what happens. Verse 18. It says, when the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them. And no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. And that's what happens, church, when you focus on character. That you, when you make a decision and you go, you know what, even when it's difficult, even when nobody else is doing it, I'm going to make it a point to work out my character. Here's what happens. You end up ten times better. I don't know about you, but I can't think of a single person in here that would go, you know what, I don't want my marriage 10 times better. 
I don't want my finances 10 times better. I don't want my children to turn out 10 times better. I'm telling you, character always precedes promotion. And if you work on your character and not your promotion, watch how when you work on the character that God will bring the promotion that you're looking for in your life. And all of a sudden, you'll get the recognition, you'll get all the things that you want because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek them. And here's what I know is that what what God sees in the secret, he knows he can trust in the public. And some of us, we just want all the public without having the secret. It's time for some of us to develop our character. So how do we build our character? How do we build character in the testing places of our life? Three things really quick. Number one is you got to surround yourself with people of character. Surround yourself with people of character. Notice I did not say surround yourself with characters. Some of y'all have already accomplished that. In fact, you're sitting next to them. No, no, no. You got to surround yourself with people of character. And I imagine, and this is just my own input, so don't, don't think it's scriptural, but I, I imagine that the setting is this, that they're in there, the food is being served, and I'm going to guess it's, it's probably Shadrach because he sounds like the bad boy of the group. I imagine that Shadrach, they, they serve the filet mignon, and he's grabbing it, and he's cutting it. He's about to put the meat in his mouth when Daniel's like, <clears throat> hey, Shad, what you doing? He's like, I'm eating. He's like, no, you're not. He's like, come on, bro. We're a thousand miles from home. Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to care. I mean, like when in Rome, do like the Romans do, right? When in Babylon, it's Vegas. So nobody's going to know. Daniel's like, no, we'll know. We'll know. I'm so thankful that he had a friend that was like, no, no, no. Like, we're going to be people of character. And I've just learned that you'll always have as much character as the people that are closest to you in life. That's why the people you surround yourself with are so critical to your life. I, I've learned this in my own life. I, when, I was, when I was gone, I was on the phone with one of my, my good friends. that We've actually known each other since we were like 12 years old. And I was on the phone, we were just catching up, we were catching up, and, and, and as I was talking about something, like, he called me out in the middle of our phone conversation. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not a big fan of people calling me out. Like, when people call me out, I get mad. Anybody else get mad when somebody gets called out? Okay, some of y'all are way holier than I am. I was like, I was like, do you know who I am, bro? He's like, yes, actually, I do. You're, I've known you since you were 12. I know exactly who you are. But I got mad And as I thought about it more in the conversation, I realized, you know what? He's right. He's right. I'm so thankful I have a friend that's willing to tell me the truth because he loves me enough to tell me the truth. That he wants what's actually best for my life, even though he's not in my life every single day of my life. And some of you guys, you don't have any relationships like that. Where people will watch you fall flat on your face in life and go, oh, I saw that coming. That isn't the kind of friend you want. You saw it coming and you didn't tell me? Some of y'all are thinking about somebody right now. You're like, that's my best friend. Kick him to the curb. I'm serious. Because you're going to be only as strong as the people that are surrounding your life. It's one of the reasons why we tell you all the time, man, 
Who you surround yourself with is who you're going to be like. It's one of the reasons why we tell you, get in a connect group, get in a connect group, get in a connect group. Why? Not because we want you in a connect group. It's because we want you surrounded by some people that are pursuing God that will be honest with you and help you navigate the realities of our lives. That's why we tell you, go to next steps. Get some people in your life that are pursuing God like you are. If you haven't done next steps, do it next Saturday. Get it all done. Surround yourself with people of character. Number two. When the choice is between what is right and what is easy, choose what's right. In the smallest of details, choose what's right. And I get it. A lot of you guys, you're sitting there and you're going, I don't really connect with this illustration. I mean, seriously, TJ, it's food. It's wine. It's not a big deal. But here's what I know. People of character think small cracks in integrity are a big deal. Because everybody of, every person of integrity knows that a small crack will lead to a bigger crack, which will lead to another crack, which will lead to another crack, which will eventually lead you to destruction. And so if the choice is between what's right and what's easy, choose what's right. And listen, I get it, it's hard. It's why fast food restaurants are on every corner because if you're choosing between what's right and what's easy, what do people choose? They choose what's easy. But we all know that there isn't, even Christian chicken is not healthy. If you don't know what Christian chicken is, that's Chick-fil-A, okay? It's just not. I know you think it's holier, but it doesn't help. But it's easy, so we choose it. No, no, no. If we have a choice between what's right and what's easy, we know what we do. We choose what's right. Why? Because we're being people of character. And if you choose what's right, God will put his hand of blessing on your life. Number three, and this is the most important one, rely on God's power to fix your flaws. And if I had to guess, some of you are pretty frustrated right now because you're listening to this message and you're like, Pastor TJ, man, if I was real, if I got real, like, my character is jacked up. Like, it's a mess. And I get it. We've all been there. We've all cut some corners in life. We've all exaggerated the truth. We've all told some lies. We all have some secrets in our life that if they got exposed, oof, it's the reality. We've all had those moments, but I... I want you to know that in those moments where my character is flawed as a believer, I no longer have to fix myself. What I can do is I can actually rely on God's power to begin to fix those issues. See, the real reason they were stronger and more nourished after 10 days wasn't because they were sitting there eating rabbit food. It's because they were receiving power from God on high. And in their weaknesses, he became their strength. In their deficit, he became their deliverer. In, in their frustrations, he fought for them. And when we're weak, God's power is made strong. When we go to him, we can rely on him. And we can trust that God's power will intervene in our situations like never before. This weekend, we've, we've had our foster son, Alexander, with us all weekend long. It's been a blast. And... Uh, on Friday night, uh, Shayla was going out with some other pastor's wives to, to encourage them. And, and I got the opportunity to stay at home with, 
with Alexander and hang out and play. And man, did we play hard. We, we, we had all of the toys that we have at our house, which is our lot of toys. And uh, by the time it was bedtime, we had spread those puppies out over a couple thousand square feet of our house, like chaos. You know, like when you just totally destroy your house with toys, come on, every parent, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, it's like a tornado went through and you're like, how did a toy get on top of the soffit up there? You know, like, I don't even know how that works. And so, and so we do a thing right before bedtime where, where we, we, we clean up and, and we, we sing the cleanup song, clean up, clean up, you know, and we go around and we, that's what we do at our house. Sorry if you missed out on the cleanup song, but, and so, and so I'm like, Alexander, it's time to, that we do clean up before bedtime. So, so we start singing the song and I'm like, dude, here's what I need you to do. There's this box full of cars because he's into cars right now. Cars are the jam in life. And so it's a box full of cars. And I'm like, buddy, I need you to take this box and I need you to move it over there with the rest of the toys. And I'm going to grab the rest of them. We'll pile them up. And so, so we start cleaning up. We're singing, clean up, clean up, walking around doing that. I'm picking up all the toys. He's over there with the box and he's just struggling. He's like, you know, just he, he, and I'll grant it, it's a heavy box, but in like the seven or eight minutes it took me to pick up the rest of his toys, he literally moved this box like three inches. I'm like, buddy. He's like, Pop Pop, I can't move it. My name is Pop Pop. So he's like, Pop Pop, I can't move it. I'm like, buddy, do you want some help? He's like, yeah, yeah. And so I reach down and I pick up the box, and as I'm picking up the box, he grabs a hold of the side of it. And we walk it over, and we set it down. When I set it down, he jumps up, and he goes, Pop, Pop, I did it. I did it, Pop, Pop, I did it. I got the box moved. I'm like, buddy, you did not do that. I did that. I, I moved the box. You just kind of were dead weight on there. but And it got me thinking about our lives and about our character flaws. And a lot of us, man, we've been down there and we've been struggling to try to move the needle on these areas and these struggles of life. And we're like, we're making no progress whatsoever. But the moment that we invite our heavenly father into the situation, we have a God that is powerful and strong. And he can step right in and he picks it right up. And we think that, man, we're making progress and we're doing it all. But really, he is the strength that's coming in, that's helping us fix the cracks. The one that's helping us remedy the brokenness. The one that is doing the delivery in our life and he's the one that's moving us from where we are to where God wants us to be and all we have to do church is we have to invite him we have to invite his power and his presence into our life to change everything about our life with every head bowed and every eye closed here's what I know about all of us in here if I were to ask how many of us have character flaws that we need God's power to work in our lives. I know that every single hand in here would go up. And if it didn't go up, that would be your flaw. Which makes it need to go up. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to invite God to start to work in our lives. Father God, I just pray for every man, for every woman, for every student that's in this room, that's watching online, that's in Lighthouse Point right now, I pray that your power will be made perfect in our weaknesses. Where we are weak, God, I pray that you would be strong in the areas where we've struggled with our character. 
God, that you would reveal those things to us and we would submit that aspect of our life to you and go, God, the struggle has been real. I haven't been able to move from where I am to where you want to be. And I've tried with all of my strength and all of my might and all of the power that I have. But God, I invite your power into my life right now. I invite your presence into my life to reveal those things, to change those things, and to push me forward into everything that you have for my life. Change me, not from the outside in, but change me from the inside out. God, I surrender this area and this aspect of my life. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're out there today. And as I was talking about this God that loves you so much, just like I, as a father, I love my son. Maybe you've never experienced that kind of a relationship with God. In fact, you didn't even know that there was a God that wanted to have a relationship with you. And in the middle of the brokenness of your life, he saw that there was no way for you to reconnect with him. He said, you know what, I'm going to make a way. And he made a way by 2,000 years ago, sending his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live a perfect life, the life that you and I could not attain, to die a sinner's death, the death that you and I deserve for the cracks and the flaws and the character aspects of our life that are broken. And he rose three days later, defeating death, hell, and the grave so that we could experience the power of his presence in our life, so that we could overcome sin, temptation, and be reunited and reconnected in relationship with our Heavenly Father. And maybe today you need to experience that for the first time or the first time in a long time. If that's you here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. And I'd love to pray a simple yet significant prayer with you that will help you begin a relationship with the creator of the universe that loves you so much. If that's you, slip it up. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip it up high. I want to pray for you. Yes, I see you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Two. Yes, three. Four. Come on, slip them up. Five, six, seven, eight. Lighthouse point. Come on, slip your hands up right now. Nine, 10, 11, 12. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Thank you. Feel, yes, I see you over there. 13. If you'll pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, God, thank you for loving me so much that you would be willing to give your one and only son to pay a death on the cross for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my past change my present and secure my future i surrender my will and my way to you fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness i choose to surrender not only and ask you to be my savior but come and be my lord lead god and direct me all the days of my life help me to follow you and change me from the inside out i love you in this place god it's in jesus name that i pray and everybody said